Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another saunter. We're inside today because it's very blowy outside and it makes lots of noise on the microphone on the live recording so here we go let's pray lord jesus we thank you for this day we thank you for this amazing opportunity that it stretches out in front of us of another day and we ask that you will be with us through it all and your your beautiful presence will be just stay with us all day long amen come on well, great to see you guys. I just want to say this, and I haven't said it on a saunter, but I really want to say thank you, God, for Queen Elizabeth II and for all that she's been to this country and so many people around the world. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the inspiration that she's been and thank you that she's been a constant kind of steady, um, steadying hand on the tiller and that kind of good clear godly influence in the nation and we pray for her today we ask you to bless her and let her really enjoy these celebrations and we pray for her family lord and what we want to see what we would love to see is that consistent faith just being caught by her children and her grandchildren as she obviously isn't with us forever but lord we want to thank you for her and for all that she's been to so many people amen Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Fran. Great to see you. Here we go. Chapter 18 of Luke. And we have this interesting little parable, and we'll talk a bit about it, because I think it's really interesting in Luke's comments as well. And, And it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And it's really interesting that Luke comes right up front with this statement and he says he gives like this little preface to he gives the meaning if you like before we've actually got the parable so rather than giving us the parable and then we find out what the meaning is later Luke tells us the point of it already and I think Luke probably has got some empathy as a pastor and shepherd of God's people with those people who have been praying and have got a bit, have lost heart a little bit because the prayers they've been kind of asking for just haven't come being fulfilled yet. And in that waiting sometimes is a kind of, oh, I prayed yesterday and it didn't happen. I'm giving up now. I'm not a Christian anymore. And I think I got, well, I've got a lot of sympathy for that, for people who feel like, well, I've prayed. I've done what you said, God. I, I've asked and it hasn't happened. And now I'm, I've lost heart and I'm giving up. Well, this Luke 
is saying, listen, this story is for you, such a person. So if you're listening today and you've been praying about something a long time, just let um, Dr. Luke give you some medicine. Uh, so, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, <clears throat> there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That's such an amazing story, isn't it? We, we've all got a kind of mental picture of this widow who comes to this ruler day after day after day with the same request. And he doesn't want to be bothered with her. He's got other things. Good morning, Dave and Sarah. He's got other things he wants to be doing with his time. He's got other priorities. But for her, this is her total preoccupation. This is her mission in life. And she's going to keep going and keep going until he gives in, until he hears her. It's not that she's asking for anything wrong. She's asking for justice. This is something actually that technically as a ruler, he should be pleased to give to his subjects. But it seems that he's the kind of guy who really doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, really doesn't care. And But yet, because she keeps coming to him, he's going to give her what she's asking for. Because she will beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, verse 6, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so Jesus is saying, come on. God, your father, is not like this unjust ruler. He loves you. You're his elect. You're his chosen ones. You're the ones he's chosen. We could get into a long discourse on chosenness or election and free will, as the theologians like to call it. But we're going to just, for now, just satisfy ourselves that God has chosen us. And therefore, he loves us. And therefore, of course, he's going to give us what we're asking from him particularly when we're crying out for justice and there's this big echo in the book of revelation which we studied recently and all those are up on um all those are on my podcast the revelation um saunters and there's this picture there that john sees of the souls of the martyrs people who've given their lives for the gospel and they paid the ultimate price and they're underneath this altar in heaven, these souls. And it's hard to imagine what that must have looked like, disembodied souls under the altar in heaven. And they're crying out to God and they're saying, oh God, how long before you, before you avenge our blood? And um, there's this, it kind of ties in. There's this righteous crying out that comes from God's people when they see things going on in the earth and they begin to intercede and cry out to God and then sometimes we're praying over a situation and it seems like God 
this is a justice situation and yet it seems that there's this huge delay going on why oh god is the delay and i'm sure there are many of us who've prayed for loved ones family members etc etc and we feel like we've got a really good case to bring before god and yet he doesn't seem to answer it just like that and sometimes he does, of course, and then it kind of was, oh, he really, oh, he really came through. And I barely got the words out of my mouth and he'd answered me. And other times it's like this huge delay. And Luke is kind of, I think, pastorally saying, just guys, look, this one's for you. This is a this is a parable for you to cheer you on if you're praying and God hasn't come through with the answer just yet. Verse 9. Oh, yes. Yeah, so then he says at the end there, he just says, will, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's like Jesus, is saying, I'm coming back and I want to see that there is faith. I want to see that there's a flame of fire of faith still burning on the earth when I return. And is that going to be in my heart or is that going to be, you know what I mean? Is my heart going to be one that's alive with faith or is my heart going to be one that's switched off because I lost heart? I, I lost my motivation, I lost my mojo, and I couldn't hang in there. Verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So here's the parable. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted there is something so ghastly and abhorrent i think even to us just human beings of someone who is prideful and arrogant and smug and self-satisfied and self-righteous we find that irritating and difficult and I believe for right, for good reasons, because God finds it irritating and difficult as well. And so this Pharisee with all the right credentials comes in and he's there praying. But his prayer is self-congratulatory. It's all about who he thinks he is and how great he thinks he is. And God says, listen, I'm not, I'm not I can't even hear you. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. And and yet this Pharisee, this um, tax collector, who everybody knows is a bad and and he's been robbing people and everything else, he comes in and he's broken before God and he's asking for mercy. He's saying, "God, have mercy on me." And he's the one who went away, having found that justification, having found that peace with God through his faith, through his kind of humble approach to God and this statement here whoever exalt everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted and we we're not humbling ourselves in a false kind of way to get get people saying oh he's so humble but we're humbling ourselves before God 
who sees our hearts, who knows whether we're really humble or whether we're proud and arrogant actually underneath it all. And it's the kind of false humility, the pride of the worm. Um, verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. Ah, I realise I've forgotten to start recording here. Let me do that. Now they were bringing even infant infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they, re he, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Wow. So these guys, the disciples are thinking Jesus is busy. He's got all these people to talk to. He's got all these like important conversations to be had. People lining up to have a conversation with Jesus. You can imagine it. What it's like after church and yet on steroids because actually Jesus was the only show in town he was like the one everyone wanted to talk to and so boy you know they're queuing up to talk to Jesus and there's all these mums pushing in trying to bring their children and sit them on Jesus's knee and oh man I love that they wanted to do that I love it because they knew that when Jesus put their his hand on those children something was going to happen there was going to be such an impartation of blessing and life it was going to do those kids good and the mums knew that and so but the disciples are trying to say oh you know just back off ladies just oh, come on he's really busy and Jesus says no actually this is what it's all about guys and you need to become like these little children actually everybody here you need to become like this because this is how you access the kingdom of God and all of its resources and all of its blessing excuse me verse 18 and uh, a ruler asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except God alone you know the you know the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not bear false witness honor your father and mother and he said all these have i kept from my youth and when jesus heard this he said to him one thing you lack you still lack sell all you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me but when he heard these things he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Let's pause there a second. This guy, he comes to Jesus and he's like got it all together. He's the guy with it all together. And he's been keeping the law. He's been living an exemplary life. But Jesus says, bro, there's one thing you lack. Just sell everything you have and give it to the poor. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Sell Sell all that you have. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. Now, I don't think Jesus says that to everybody. Otherwise, we'd all be poor pretty quickly. We'd all have nothing because we'd have all given it away. But Jesus is saying, for you, rich guy, 
you need to do. This is something that your heart needs to do. You, in order to be fully a disciple, to become fully given over to me, this big thing called riches is in the way. This is the obstacle that's in your mind. I don't believe for one minute that God is hostile to wealthy people. I think he's just recognising that for many people who are wealthy, their preoccupation is their riches, their confidence is their riches, their identity is their riches, and their place in society. And to do away with that, they just, it's like my life support system is gone. I can't do it. I, I've, I don't know who I am. And so Jesus said, Jesus comments and he says how, so Jesus seeing that he had become extremely sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Let's just pause there again. Right. So he's he makes a statement. He says, it's hard, it's difficult for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. There's a great story. I think I've probably told it on a saunter before, but there's this really wealthy guy and he shows back up in his, the town he's grown up in. And it's a little small town in, in the USA somewhere. And he attends the little chapel that he used to go to. And the pastor is so excited that he's coming because he's there in his very expensive suit. <clears throat> he sits him in the front row and partway through... His preamble, he says, oh, we're really pleased to have brother so-and-so here today. <clears throat> Introduces this guy and he says, brother, would you be um, interested in just saying a few words to us? Because his brother so-and-so had grown up in this church and, you know, he's blah, blah, blah now and all the rest of it. So this guy gets up and he's sort of rather importantly starts telling the story about how when he was a young boy, he'd been saving up for a bicycle and... One day the preacher is given an appeal to for the offering and he's kind of pitched it really well and the spirit kind of moves him and he says, I went home and I got my piggy bank and I smashed it and I took all my savings out of the piggy bank and I came here and I put it in the offering basket and gave it all to God. And this old lady at the back said, I'd like to see you do it again. <laughs> Sorry, bad American accent, but she was like, really nailed it because like for him then, as a kid, it was something, it was a big deal and it was everything he had. But now as a very, very wealthy, successful man to give everything he had all over again, would not only amount to a lot of money coming into the church coffers suddenly, but it would amount to a massive kind of challenge to him because it was like his whole identity was in his success and in his net worth and so on okay so peter said see we have left our homes and followed you and he said to them truly i say to you there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of god who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life this is an interesting little statement from Jesus because he's actually promising blessing in this life. And this is the kind of 
scripture that prosperity people hook into and they think, yes, yeah, see, Jesus himself is promised that if we give to him, he'll give back to us and we'll have it actually in this life, not just in the life to come, but actually we can expect multiplication. He said many times more. That's a multiplication term. He's saying what you give will be multiplied to you in what you receive back in this life as well as in the life to come. I, I actually believe that is a very strong biblical principle that's throughout the scripture. However, this is not the secret to becoming rich. This is not what you know, this is not the Bible isn't a hidden, a hidden kind of uh, seven steps to becoming wealthy program. But actually, it's just a principle of the kingdom of heaven. If we give, God multiplies it. He makes it fruitful so we can give some more. And this is the economy of the kingdom in work. And it's really, really cool. And it does work. And if we will trust God with our finances, he will bless us. And actually, he's saying, if you've made these sacrifices for me, even in this life, you will be rewarded in ways you cannot even imagine. And I, I think I can honestly say that in my life, God has been more kind to me than I have been generous to him. Do you know what I mean? He's he's overdone blessing on me compared to what I have kind of supposedly sacrificed for his kingdom. And so we... I mean, like, just for example, I've been in many different nations in the world, by uh, which, again, is God's great kindness. I never expected to travel the world. I've been to some pretty cool places. And everywhere I've gone, people have welcomed me into their homes. They've fed me. They've hugged me. They've kissed me. They've treated me like a brother. They've treated me like a man of God. I found, do you know what I mean? So I've got a home. I kind of open it, sort of, as much as I can and with my family as a consideration as well and some of the <laughs> anyway yeah we try to use it for Jesus but where then in return everywhere I go I've got a home it's amazing isn't it and God has been really kind to us in that way and so he loves to kind of bless us and catch us out and surprise us meaning why how did that happen wow that's amazing God you you are kind and you've been before me and so on. Anyway, so that's in this life. But also we know Jesus has been talking plenty about laying up treasure in heaven and having an eternal inheritance, you know, that won't spoil or perish or fade. Verse 31. And talking and taking the twelve, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. So Jesus is really clearly talking about what's ahead of him um, in Jerusalem. But they don't understand it. They don't really get what he's talking about. And so they're kind of like, yeah, great. Yeah, oh, I, don't know. Well, I don't know what he's on about today. And... They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what he what was said. But of course, they understood eventually, didn't they? When these things happened, then they understood. Verse 35, as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, 
Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Amazing. Blind man. Can't even see what's going on. Here's a kerfuffle. Says, what's going on? People tell him, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And he calls out and he says this prayer. He says, Jesus, what is it? Let's read it again. Uh, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they, there's a prayer now that the Eastern Orthodox pray, which is um, called the Jesus prayer. And it goes something like, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And they repeat that kind of like a mantra. And when they're meditating and reflecting, they repeat this prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And we've got really interesting that the, the Pharisees, the, um, the uh, tax collector and the blind guy both approach Jesus from this place of total humility. It's have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Everything we receive from God is because of his great mercy, his great kindness, his great love. And today, Lord Jesus, Son of God, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on this nation. Have mercy on this generation. Lord Jesus, and let hearts and minds turn to you even today in Britain and around the world, Lord. Let there be one after another, after another, after another people turning to you today. Amen. Have an amazing day, you guys. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. And, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. 
Thank you so much. <laughs>